Here's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 360. It's kind of a milestone, 360 degrees. Oh. Right? Yeah, I guess. No, not you guess. That's (laughs) right. Declare. Uh, Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because it'll help you feel outstanding. And who does not want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being was a parent's self-understanding. Indeed. On today's show, you're going to talk about the truth. And the whole truth. And And nothing nothing but but the truth. truth. So help you goodness. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. We live in a world surrounded by walls, and those walls need need to be guarded with men with guns. Who's going to do it? You, Lieutenant Weinberg. Is he talking to Tom Cruise? Well, it's funny. He's talking to Tom Cruise, and then he's talking to Bruno. No, not Bruno. uh, Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack, yeah. Kevin Pollack, who's like, didn't he say something like, what am I doing in this movie? Yeah, I heard him stand up. In the stand-up, he's like, how did I get this role between Jack Nicholson, (laughs) Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon. Tom Cruise. And then this- Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. So anyways. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about feeling your feelings, which is something that is a lifelong journey for me and you and the rest of us. All people. And, uh, but real quick, uh, on the podcast, or no, I'm sorry, on the conference, which is coming up in a few short weeks, we have some Zen friends. And for those of you who don't know, Zen friends are people who like uh, the podcast and get something out of it and want to support us through a scholarship program, which helps us um, invite people who want to come to the conference but simply don't have the resources to do it. So um, we have four um, Zen friends that showed up in the last week or so. One is Kim Sourwine, second, Tina Gray, third is Julie Kimak, and lastly is Sean Emerson. Thank you. Um, So here's the deal. Thanks to all you people. We are on this conference because it's in a few weeks. We are going to print, as they say. So if you... Planned on being a Zen friend. Today is Tuesday, February, what, 6th, 7th? 7th. Today is pretty much the last day that you can get your name in the program and. You can still do it afterwards, but if you want to get your name in print, you got to do it now. Correct. So, yeah, you can do Zen friend up till the end, but we are going to print with everything. So, if you were like, oh, I'm going to do that, but just haven't. So, if you want to give back and help some moms and dads who want to go and get inspired, even if you're not going to the conference, it doesn't really matter. So, anyways, that's the deal. And. It's in a few weeks, you know, and we've been talking with Rob Bell and we've been talking with Rosalind Wiseman and we've been talking with Ali Smith and they're really excited and we are really excited. And um, also we've been talking with Dr. John Duffy, who's going to be talking with us on Friday night. And Annie Burnside is going to be on our panel Friday night. And I just couldn't be more proud of this thing. I can't be more proud of you for putting it together because I kind of do a little bit of stuff, but sweetie, you're the brainchild of this whole operation. So you're kind. Well, I couldn't do it without you, Taddy. So if you're like, oh, what's a Zen parenting conference? What are you guys talking about? And this might be your first podcast. Go to uh, zenparentingradio.com and click on events and you'll see the Zen parenting conference. It'll tell you what it's all about. Yeah. February 24th, 25th. So who's going to go first, me or you? Can I, I want to start with something. Oh, sure. Because I think this will lead into what you're saying, and then we can go back. Sounds good. So Sounds great, Greg. Sounds great, Greg. So here's the thing. Speaking of my friend Annie, who is one of my favorite people in the world, who's going to be at the conference, she and I have – she's one of my best friends, so I see her quite a bit, and we sit and talk for hours and hours and hours. And one of the things that we talked about last week when we met for coffee was the difference between communicating from your wounds – and communicating from your wholeness. Okay. And we also talked about this at Women's Circle last week. And basically what this means is people are either talking to people from 
what they've been hurt by. Yeah. And then trying to do everything they can to either cover that up, hide that, or become a victim of that. Yeah. And that's where you're talking to someone from your wounds or you're talking to someone from a place where, of course, you know your wounds and you have them just like everybody else and you have your challenges and you have your you know things that you're working on, but you have a sense of it, you're cognizant of it. Conscious. Conscious of it. And you speak from your wholeness, meaning you've integrated those pieces into who you are. So when you talk to people, you have almost a different presence. And why I'm bringing that up is because I think sometimes we get very focused on people's words, Mm -hmm. like what they said and what it means and why one person can say something and the person next to them can say the exact same thing, but it feels different depending on who it's coming from. Mm -hmm. Because some people speak from wound and some people speak from wholeness. Like even- Can I give you an example? Please, please. Clean your room. There's two different ways of saying that. Perfect, good. You can be mad. And I lately, I don't know, I haven't been traveling much. I've been in a pretty good place. Hopefully you agree in the last oh, yeah. few days. I think things have been and great. the girls, you know, they were playing on, on the PlayStation thing. We got PlayStation. And uh, w- I asked them to fold their, the laundry after they were done. And I could have been a jerk, but I was in a good mood. And I said, hey, girls, would it be too much to ask that when you guys take a break, mm-hmm. would you mind folding these this laundry and putting it away? And they totally jumped on it. Right. It, or I could have said, you guys are on that too much. Um, fold the laundry, you know. And I'll even add a little more to that, which takes this deeper. You wouldn't have even had to change your tone of voice. But if you came after them with fear mm-hmm. of that they should be doing something else, fear that you're teaching them that they don't have to, you know, be a part of the home, that you're going after them like, oh my gosh, they do nothing. You may not be saying it out loud, but you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, they don't do anything. I'm going to make them fold the laundry. I'm going to teach them who's boss. I'm going to show them that they can't get away with playing PlayStation all day. Then when you could have even come in and said the exact same words, but if that was the energy behind it, they would have heard it completely different. Absolutely. And so that's why, Todd and I just did a presentation last Saturday for Parent University, and uh, some of the questions were awesome because they were about these kind of things. Like, how, how do I say these things to my children? And they're looking for words. And what we always say back is it's not about your words. It's about how you're feeling before you ask the question. Are you being reactive or are you responding? Are you coming at them with your fear about who they are and who they're going to become? Or are you coming at them with a sense of support and understanding? Because you can ask them to do the exact same thing, but depending on where your consciousness is, that is how it will be felt. Because as Maya Angelou said, People will not remember what you said to them. They will not remember your words. And when you say people, for this argument, let's say kids. Children. (laughs) What they will remember is the way you made them feel. Right. So if you are saying to them, fold the laundry with underneath it being like, I'm going to show you that I'm going to keep you busy and I'm going to show you who's boss, it feels one way. But if it's, hey, you know, we all live here together and, you know, this is your responsibility and these are things we do in this home. Can you get this done? Then they feel it differently. What's interesting about this is, you know, there's so many different, we, we, we talk about this, um, 
subject matter in so many different ways. Like the the notes I just wrote down in MKP, we talk about our shadow versus our gold. The mm-hmm. shadow is the part that you repress. The gold is the good part of you, mm-hmm. for lack of well, a better term. Not both, the, yeah, not yeah. the good part. But and we'll talk about the more that. Conscious or the conscious conscious or the unconscious. Right. Or and then we had Anne Marie on. She talked about content content versus context. context. And what I talked to uh, to the people to the folks about at Parent University was, you know, it's funny. Parents are always saying, what do I say when blank? Correct. They never or they rarely say, how do I say this? So what I want to convey to myself and to our audience is if we can focus on the how instead of the what... Because that the the what we say to our kids is really hard. Like you, to search for the perfect answer when your kids come home come come home upset with whatever it is, that's really really hard to know exactly how to handle it. So the shortcut, and when I say shortcut, I mean that's a good thing. The shortcut to doing it is if you could figure the energy behind how you're saying something, the what you're saying isn't nearly as important. And the words will flow. Meaning you don't have to, whenever, if someone says, how should I say this or what are the exact words, already you know it's not going to be conveyed correctly because they're using someone else's words. Yeah, Like that parent, if it be me or anybody else, if you're copying from somebody and trying to be them, yeah. then it's not going to be felt authentically because your kid's going to go, Who, who's saying this? Yeah. Now, you can use somebody's advice and say, and maybe, you know, I throw quotes around all the time, but I have... I feel the quote. I believe the quote. You, I'm not you've just integrated. I've it. Integrated the quote. You know, like what I just said to you about Maya Angelou. I, I understand that from experience on both sides. Meaning, you know, not saying things that I believe, and then saying things I believe, and how you feel, and how you sound, and how you come off. Like I will even take this a step further. Uh, than children, and I will talk about spiritual teachers, okay, or teachers who focus on us being our best selves, right? You know, and you could call that self-help teachers or whatever it may be. And there are teachers who basically say all the same things, right? Mm -hmm. We're kind of all in this world where we're saying the same kind of language. But there are certain teachers that I hear them or I'm listening to them speak and and I don't buy it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I'll I'll say, but that's something that I do believe what they're saying, or I've heard another person say that, and I know it's true, but there's something that I don't buy. And it's not the words, it's that I think what they're saying is coming from their wound. Yeah. They're coming from, I want to be famous, I want to make money off this, I want to, and there's nothing wrong with making money off your work. What I'm saying is that's the only, that's, that's their the, driving yeah, force. That's the only goal. That's then. the only goal versus the... I'm really doing this to help or to give back or this is my mission. I'm feeling connected to it regardless if I got paid or not. And so – and sometimes we question like, well, they said those words so they must mean them. We have this intuitive self where we say, okay, that resonates with me. But when that person said it, it didn't. And that's usually become not because one person is bad and one is good. But because it's either coming from someone's wholeness Mm -hmm. or it's coming from their wounds, which is see me, look at me, I need to be, you know, respected. And they haven't they haven't fully processed and integrated that yet, so they're still searching for it outside of themselves. Am I getting too out there? Can you still hear what I'm saying? I think I'm with you. Okay, good. All right. Good. Um so do we want to close that loop regarding sure. wholeness? Only, and- only because we'll keep it open in that I think it lends itself to everything else we're talking about. Certainly does on my side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also because, you know, again, wounds can be reactive. Like we can talk about 
things on social media where people have taken a side on something, it's very different to respond to someone from wholeness Mm -hmm. than it is from a wound, right? And wound is reactive and wholeness is responsive. They're very different things. So for those of you who are like, this is what I believe, so I'm going to say it, are you responding from your wound? Or from your wholeness, and so that lends to what I'm saying, and I know you're going to yeah, talk so about that it lends, too. Yeah, uh, so so this part is uh, partially inspired by a book I'm reading called "The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership" by a guy named Jim Detmers. Not, you know, I'm not saying exactly what he's saying, but a lot of these ideas came from him, so I feel obligated to at least throw him um, my two, you know, give him that gratitude. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he talks about above and the below the line, but for this subject matter, let's talk about conscious versus unconscious, right? So conscious is the above the line. This is the whole Mm -hmm. and the unconscious is the wound. The wound. Okay. Mm -hmm. The unknown wound. So from the conscious place, and this is in regards to feeling your feelings. And I'm going to talk about the different feelings that, that, um, in a second, but uh, to feel your feelings from a conscious place is to feel them all the way through to completion. And we're going to talk about what that means. Okay. Um, from the unconscious place, you resist the feeling um, by judging and apologizing for them and you repress, you avoid, and you withhold them. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you and I just had a conversation um, a few nights ago and I was talking a little bit about, you know, my... Um, fluctuation of fluctuation feeling. of feelings. You is it safe to say that you have greater variability in the expression of your feelings than I do? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that doesn't mean I don't have feelings. I'm just not as good, for lack of a better term, I'm just not as good as expressing it. So this chapter in this book really kind of resonated with me because he gave me tools which I've heard about through Mankind Project, but I'm kind of integrating it a little bit more mm-hmm. on how to do it. So it's first of all, your feelings are really a gift, mm-hmm. right? And they're guideposts for what's going to do. And the thing is, you know, whether it's anger or sadness, either you're going to own it or it's going to own you. And what I mean by that is you can either take direction from these feelings. If you're feeling angry or sad or joyful, then you can kind of modify your behavior or you can learn from it and evolve Mm -hmm. or it's going to own you, which means you react. Correct. Right? So there is no... Place in between. There's no place where you can be like, I have no feelings. Right. Because even the numbest people in the world, the reason they're numb is because their feelings were so grand right. that they've had to numb them down. So you're always going to have them. Right. And so, for the, as you've said a million times on this podcast, what is an emotion? It is energy in motion, energy emotion. And for me, I can only speak personally, I haven't, and one thing that uh, in this chapter is it talks about how you need to kind of name the feeling. Mm-hmm. Step one, mm-hmm. you got to kind of figure out where in your body it feels, which is a really foreign, weird thing for me to comprehend. Mm-hmm. And then you got to verbalize it. You got to kind of let it out somehow. And I haven't really been very good at that. So, um, so the emotions that I want to use for the subject matter of this discussion is anger, Sadness, fear, joy, and this is a little bit different one, but he calls it sexual creativity. All right. It's got nothing to do with sex. It's the idea of birthing an idea. It doesn't have to be, you know, lust or anything like that. It's just that. So, 
Um, and there's different levels to each or each one. Like like anger, you could be upset, tense, annoyed. That's like a level one. Level two is where you're agitated or aggressive, and level three is when you're enraged. So there's obviously different levels and names for each of these. So it's like, are there only five feelings? I don't know. It just depends on who you're asking. And no, there's a lot. Right, but there's like different bit different levels. So then, what you're saying is maybe those are kind of like the primary colors. Right. Okay. Um, and then maybe you can speak to this. Uh, Joe, Bol- he references Joe Bolte Taylor and how a feeling, if you let it organically come in and out, mm-hmm. only lasts for ninety seconds. Right. So Jill Bolte Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight, and she is a uh, brain scientist, and she happened to have a stroke on the left side of her brain, so she was only left with the right side of her brain, and so she, as a brain scientist, experienced what the right side of the brain actually is, and what the left side is for, and et cetera. We've talked about it on the show before, and I recommend her book, but obviously, the right side of the brain is the feeling part, and the energy part, and the imagination part, and the creativity part, and also the part of us that is connected to oneness. Mm-hmm. When we are focusing on the right side of our brain, we we can't differentiate between where we begin and someone else ends right. because we are all one. Now, the whole thing about the 90 seconds with the feeling is that literally, if we don't have that left side that's trying to make it linear and stop it and decide that this is not the right time, an emotion, literally because it's an energy system, just comes through takes about 90 seconds of our time to feel it and then goes back out. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, picture it like a little, like a little, I, I picture it like a tail that comes in and then goes out. What's what's my visual? Everything's... I, I would say a wave. I mean, like we were talking wa- about waves. That's good. I like that. A wave. Like an ocean. Or- yeah. And the story I shared with Todd today when he was reading this to me was that Martha Beck, who some of you know, she's a wonderful life coach. Um, she, her son Adam uh, was born with Down syndrome and her son Adam's best friend who also had Down syndrome, mother passed away. And at that wake... Um, Martha Beck observed this boy, you know, who had lost his mother, go through those waves so naturally where he would have this 90 seconds of just tremendous grief. And then after that, he would be fine and he'd have a conversation and hug someone and then he would be overcome again. And again, all of us have this. It's not just about, but there's there was more of a letting go. Right. You know, this boy who had Down syndrome, he wasn't as concerned about, am I staying stoic for everybody? Right. And so she like witnessed it firsthand of how it really is 90 seconds. So I want to kind of dive into it because obviously the one side of my brain is trying to logically piece this together. But like, let's say something terrible, like a death of a family member. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to grieve this for 90 seconds and then I'm done. No, that's not what they mean. So help, help us. The wave of emotion. Right. Okay. So what we do is then we get into our thinking brain about it, where we continue to think about it repetitively, where then we have constant waves coming at us. Sometimes so much so that we feel like we're being literally pushed down by the wave. And then that's when we say, I got to get a drink. I got it. So we have turned our brain on to like repeat. Mm-hmm. Like where it's just recycling and recycling yes. and recycling. But the actual news, like I'll give you an example, Todd. Wayne Dyer, something he used to say all the time in his talks is, you know, say you're just somewhere and you're, you know, life goes on and then you get a phone call that two weeks prior, someone calls you and said, hey, two weeks ago, one of your friends passed away. And then all of a sudden you get this wave of grief right. because you learned that somebody that you care about, maybe you don't see them anymore, but passed away. And that's so sad. 
But you didn't know when it actually happened two weeks prior, you didn't know right. that that happened. Right. So, but once you got the news, that's when your body felt it and you had to experience it. And if you let that go through, you can probably then go on and take another call or do what you need to do. But then maybe when you see something that reminds you of that person or you're at the wake, it comes through you again. It's just what I think what it comes down to is, especially with something like sadness and anxiety and anger, they make us so uncomfortable yeah. that when we feel it, we A, think we shouldn't be feeling it. Yep. So we push it away or push it down or try and pretend it's not happening. Or B, we're afraid it'll last forever. Mm -hmm. So we get anxious about being anxious, sad about being sad, depressed about feeling depressed. Yeah. So we perpetuate it not based on the initial right. experience. The story we build around it. Exactly. But that doesn't mean, like you said, it, I still get waves when I think about your mom. Right. She was, I actually just this morning in yoga, something came up where I could smell something that reminded me of your mom, like an oil that reminded right. me of your mom. And I got that wave. Right. And so it's not as if you don't get sad again. Mm -hmm. You just aren't in perpetual sadness. Well, and usually we say, you know, if you suppress feelings and it turns into dis-ease and all that, Correct. which is all true. But one thing that I thought was interesting in reading this chapter was that it, in a in a maybe a more surfacey or short term standpoint, if you don't feel your feelings, it turns into a mood. Mm, so yeah. in other words, let's say you suppress anger, mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden, you know, the anger becomes you know some type of bad mood that lasts for for much longer. So the point is, what we're trying to uh, discuss is all we're trying to do is create the space for something to show up and then to be released. Because unless you do that, there's no space for the next one. To take place. So I want to challenge you a little bit on something because you and I last week, like you said, had a big conversation about this. And I think a lot of times you compare your emotional experiences to mine. Yes. And and I believe that part of the reason that you and I are together in the world and that we partnered and were attracted to each other initially is because we have something the other does not yeah, in polarity. many different ways. Right. Yeah. You know, obvious things and then some that we learned later on. And I think that sometimes when we're – there's a self-acceptance piece where I think there's a piece of you that you – there's part of me that thinks you're just digging deeper and you're going to learn more about yourself. But there's yourself. A, another part of me that thinks I'm broke. Yes. And I need to be there's fixed. There's a lack of self-acceptance because, Todd, I – your way – you'll say to me like I don't feel this or I'm not – I just spoke with my coach who I talk to every month, Tom Fuller. And it was about, you know, stop, get still and feel that feeling in your body. Like I'm frustrated or whatever. And it'll be like, what, where does that show up or mm -hmm. how? Do, and I, I cannot place it. That's I cannot okay. locate it. But that doesn't need to be your thing then. Right. That's like someone saying, um, when someone's like, well then journal because yeah. that'll make you feel better. And then journaling doesn't come. And then we're like, see, I've messed up. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can place where they're feeling their feeling. Good, because that normalizes me a little bit. Yes. And that's, and even I, I just had some work done, some body work done last week, and that came up where, you know, where are you feeling that feeling? And even though I couldn't literally locate it, I knew, meaning I couldn't be like, oh, I feel it right here in my heart and that's the only place, but I knew it was a heart thing. Right. And, and I think it's important to make some clarification. Some people, okay. like you can feel anger in your jaw right. or in your teeth right. or your neck. Right. Like, so we're talking about located. We're talking about the physical location in your body, in your hands. Right. Like, are you clenching your fists right. or do you feel it in your toe, like wherever? So we're talking about 
like which part of your body do you feel that? And I cannot explain to you how foreign that is to me. So, and and at the same time, just so I can put layers here, so you're not so black and white about it. For some people, it's not just the physicality; mm-hmm. it's the essence of the feeling. So there are when I I. I can partially feel things in my body physically, yeah. but really I can feel it deeper. It's the like inner in body. This is what Eckhart, kind of. Eckhart talked exactly. about. I feel it in inner body and I see it visually because that's the way my brain works. So right. I will, you know, it's like I said to Todd when I was doing a ton of work, uh, like about eight years ago, I felt like my sternum was cracking open yeah. constantly. So obviously I'm feeling that heartbreak and that pain in my heart because my sternum hurt. The reason I'm saying this to you is because when – this is everything we talk about on the show. When you try and follow someone else's guidelines mm-hmm. and they don't work, and yeah. I'm putting that in quotes, then you think you have a problem. Right. If I were to say to you, Todd, you – okay, say you're angry right now. Just yep. pretend with me. Uh, okay. And I, that was really convincing. Arr. Yeah, that's, that's close there. <laughs> and I said, what, what, uh, what color is that? Yes, I hear we do that in MKP all the time. What color does that sadness? So tell me, don't think. What color is your anger? Uh, blue. Okay, I that's just made it. that up though. But did you? Yes. I just said blue. I don't know. Okay, so that didn't come from your heart. You made it up to pacify me, yes. to satisfy me. Okay, well, then maybe that's not your thing either. Well, and then the other thing, because some of the ideas that I feel like I need to start practicing are, where is it in your body? Okay. What color is it? Okay. What sound does it make? Sure, that's like, a good that's one That's something too. I can do. Now, I don't know if it's coming from my head or my heart or my gut. And that's the thing where you have to stop wondering yeah. and just do it because sometimes it's all three combined. Yeah. Like that's the thing is these conversations can be so challenging because we do start to polarize and say, well, that came from my head, so it's not right. Your head is completely connected to your heart. Right. Sometimes though our messages are too in our head where we don't feel it in our and body. And I feel like it all comes from my brain. I know that's not right. It's not right. But I'm telling you that like what color is it or do I feel it in my chest or my gut or my shoulders? I'm thinking of where it is, not feeling where it is. And that's the practice. And what I like is that you said, okay, the first two don't work for me, but the sound thing well, works for me. Well, I can do that. Okay, then- So then do it. <laughs> then that's the practice is that the more, as we always say on the show, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. It's not something you're going to learn and check off your list because yeah. you may one day feel it, make a sound mm-hmm. and go, that felt so much like what I feel. Yes. And then the next day you won't be able to do it. Because to call myself out, I don't, like if I'm feeling frustrated or angry or sad or happy, like even um, even joy, let's let's get off of the perceived negative emotions, mm-hmm. even joy, like um, I feel like I think, th- like I was telling you this and like I'll put on XM radio right, right, right. and I'll catch a good stand up, whether it's Seinfeld or Louis C.K. A or whatever. comedian, yeah. I'll think it's funny. But I will not laugh out loud, even if I'm. It's not a social embarrassment. Even if I'm in the car, I will say to myself, "Wow, that's really funny." But I won't laugh, and it's not that I won't, but I rarely laugh. And I think you are with ninety percent of the population. Really? Like, yeah, I think that outward laughter, and I do it sometimes when I'm alone. It's not like never, and I and I think you probably do too, unknowingly. But what you're doing is you're very in your head saying, "Oh, that was funny. I didn't laugh out loud. See, something's wrong with yes. me." Yes, you're completely ju- judging and shaming yourself. Should we play a clip of something that's funny? Let's. See. Do you want to set it up? 
Um, Set it up, just because people may not know what this is. Sure. So this weekend on Saturday Night Live, uh, Melissa McCarthy was a, a guest, and she came on and spoofed the our um, press secretary. And she obviously, as we all know, as spoofs do, takes it to a different level. And what I thought was so funny about it is just because Melissa McCarthy is fearless. Mm-hmm. And so here we go. So Glenn Thrush, New York Times, boo, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the travel ban on Muslims. Yeah, it's not a ban. I'm sorry? It's not a ban. The travel ban is not a ban, which makes it not a ban. But you just called it a ban. Because I'm using your words. You said ban. You said ban. Now I'm saying it. The back president to you. tweeted, and I quote, yeah. if the ban were announced with a one week notice. Yeah, exactly. You just said that. He's quoting you. It's your words. He's using your words. When you use the words and he uses them back, it's circular using of the word, and that's from you. That's good. And look at you. I know. I'm laughing. Okay, so this is... First of all, Sean Spicer commented and thought it was funny. We're not trying to be... Well, yeah, Divide, he, he so. thought it was funny. Um, okay. it, which, it's a hilarious it, clip. It, when you've got someone like her yeah. playing you, I mean, come on. That was hilarious. It, it was though. hilarious. And that was just one piece. Yeah. Um, so I think really what the, if I was to like be your therapist, which I'm not, I'm your wife and you have plenty. Sometimes of, you help me out with things. So, Well, this is what I would say is really the focus is not how do I feel my, more my emotions? It's how do I let go of the shame mm-hmm. that I experience. Yes, that's my work. That's the work. And so you're trying to focus on the emotion. And instead of how I feel about whether I not I choose to express it or not. What if the shame wasn't there? How would you be experiencing your time and your days? I would be much more yes, up and down. That's it. In a good way. So when you are having, you're listening to comedy radio yeah. and you feel something, because even if you don't... Yeah. Av- laugh out loud, your body inside is having that emotion. Right. And when the shame comes in and says you're not laughing out loud, that's what you check. Not the emotion, but you say, I heard you. Yeah. I heard you. That's the muscle. Mm -hmm. Because the shame, and I'm saying this to you because I have to do that every day. Mm -hmm. The amount of shame that we all, and let me take the word shame out of it if that makes you uncomfortable. The amount of self-criticism, that voice in our head that we point at ourselves and say, you're wrong. And the reason this is so great is because this conversation we were having, I don't know about you guys, and I'm just talking to you as if Todd's not here, you people listening. Todd's one of the funniest people that I know, and he's one of the kindest and most connected to his heart. And the fact that you spend so much of your time thinking, I need to do this better, mm. it's sad for me yeah. because you're you're so present and you're so like such a nice person. It's just ego, right? It's another thing that you think you should be better at. Yep. Yeah, and if I was better at that, my ego would make up another thing you that I'm not it. good at. That's it. Right? Um, so to close, yes. Um, I'm always trying to get resources to our listeners. So to release emotions, yes. this is a template. It's not, you know, it's not science, but locate the sensation in your body, step one. Number two, breathe, mm-hmm. right? So these are things we could do. Like if, if there's anybody else out there listening, they say, I also struggle with feeling my feelings. Mm-hmm. Number two, breathe, just have some conscious breaths. Yep. Number three, accept it. Mm-hmm. And then number four, match your experience with your expression, either through sound or movement. 
Um, so those are the four steps. And then last thing, just as pra- practice throughout the day, ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is if they, if I say, I feel like you should be, um, better at this or that, that's not a feeling that's, that's a thought disguised as a feeling. Correct. So you have to be cautious because somebody will be like, well, I feel like you're an idiot. Like that's <laughs> not going to cut it. It has to be, I feel sad. I feel angry. Mm-hmm. I feel joyful. Mm-hmm. What and go down the list. So that, and maybe it doesn't have a word, and it just has a feeling. Mm-hmm. See, we don't attaching a word to it can be helpful. Right. But if you're like, I just feel this kind of calm, or or I just feel here, or I'm just feeling okay, that's good. Yeah. Like to me, I love words, as you know. But there's a lot of things that Sometimes, just are. Yeah. You know, they don't have to have some, we don't have to be able to explain it. I think you and I, just because we do do this kind of thing for a living, we're always wanting to be able to use the best words to explain it. And there are some things that don't, that, you know, are difficult to use words. Um, So we have 15 minutes left to talk about your stuff. Before I want to talk about Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. She adjusts us. I actually need to get there. I haven't been there in a while. So hopefully she's not mad at me. But um, so mention Zen Parenting Radio. If you live in the Chicagoland area and you want to be healthy, healthy families by choice, not by chance, that's chirotree.com. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. Okay. So the uh, those of you who know Neil Donald Walsh, he wrote uh, Conversations with God and a few other after that, some sequels to that book. Um, but one of the things he talks about in the second book of Conversations with God is different kinds of truth, um, the five different kinds of truth. And each one of these could be a show. Um, so we may want to go back to these sometime you know, another time. How many are there? There's five. Okay. So that's about three minutes each. Okay. So which will not even scratch the surface, but I just thought it would be interesting to bring up because I think it kind of gives us some insight into how we experience ourselves and other people. So different kinds of truth. The first one, Todd, you ready? Ready. Tell the truth to yourself about yourself. Mm, That's good. Um, That just means be honest um, with yourself. Yeah. Like this is where you can really admit What's working? What isn't? Who are we really? What do we really need? What's what's crushing our soul right now? What's you know? And being and that's honest, why it's the first question because if you skip this one, you can't do any of the other ones. It's all gone. And also, you know this this word that I think always people react when when we say this word. Um, you know, when we're working with a live audience, is we can rationalize anything. Yeah. But what's the truth about that? Mm -hmm. You can say, I went after this person. I made them feel awful. I made my point. I talked them down. I, you know, you know, smack talked them and I win. And we can, you know, walk away from that and go, yay. But how do you, okay, once that um, thrill is over of the win, how do you, how do you feel about yourself? Yeah. How do you, what are you really doing? Yeah. Are you really winning anything? Are you causing more problems? Are you making someone else feel bad? Are you basically, you feel bad, and so you throw your bad onto somebody else? And again, that's you reacting from your wounds. How do you really feel about what you're doing? And, you know, again, how do you really feel about, I'll just use something that we talk about all the time. When you yell at your kids, you can rationalize it and say, that's the only way they'll listen to me. And they'll say, it feels good. It feels good. I feel good about it, you know, because obviously we hear these things all the time. Then an hour later, a day later, a year later, or two decades later, are you still feeling good about that? How do you feel about it? And will you maybe do it again? Maybe. This is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment thing. But- 
my question is, is do you really think there's no other way? And how do you feel about who you are? And the, you know, a lot of people preach certain things, but then don't live them. Yeah. And do you feel my definition of living what you preach is integrity? You're not going to do it perfectly. And that's integrity too, being honest that it's, it, you're also challenged by it, right. but that you're making attempts and you are being vulnerable enough to say, this doesn't always go the way that I want it to, but I I am doing what I can, not trying, but doing what I can to live in my integrity. Be honest with yourself about, about yourself. yourself. Number two, tell the truth to yourself about another. Okay. Can you give me an example? Yes. So basically, this is when we have to like cop to who a person really is. Is this the Jack Tripper thing where he tells everybody the truth that like Chrissy's no. wearing a bad dress? No, that's that would be the next one. This oh. is more about like, you know how you have a friend and they treat you really poorly, mm-hmm. but you keep rationalizing that they've been your friend forever and you're like, no, they're actually oh, a good got person. Got it. Yeah. You know, tell the truth to yourself. About, about another else. person. I, I have a friend in mind. Oh, do you he's really? A, he's a jerk to a lot of people, but he's kind to me. So I continued to, well, I don't, I don't, I barely ever see him anymore, but I, I did think of somebody. Well, and this is, I, I have to bring this up because it just fits so well. This kind of lends to our political environment is a lot of times people will say to me, I don't know why you're so upset because you're fine. Mm-hmm. And I may be fine. But there's people I love and that I know that- You mean you're empathic? (laughs) There are people I know and love and care about and maybe people I don't even know, but that I care about who are not fine and who are afraid and who are fearful. And my job, I believe, as a privileged woman um, is to speak up and to learn as much as I can, not speak up and be their savior- Mm. I need to be in learning mode. I need to be like, what don't I know? What can I see? What what am I willing to notice? Right. And what am I willing to, you know, how do I stand up as myself and my integrity and also make sure that I'm standing up for others simultaneously? I That's, that's what we're here for. Right. That's what let's take care of each other means. That's what compassion and connection is. That's what the right side of the brain knows is that I don't exist without you. Right. We're all in this together. So even if I in my day, my day-to-day experience am quote unquote fine and unaffected, if the people around me are affected, my students, my, you know, my friends, people that I grew up with, um, then it's not all right. Yeah. Number three. All right. Uh, tell the truth about yourself to another. Oh, that means uh, I'm ashamed that I can't express uh, emotions well enough. So you believe. Right. This is about being seen, standing in who you are, being okay with not being perfect, whatever that means. I So like this is being like saying that like, you know, I'll speak from my experience. I uh, sometimes I get envious and jealous or I get concerned about things that are really surfacy and not important. And I show and speak that darkness to you, mm-hmm. which I do quite a bit. Share the I, darkness. I share my darkness and I say, this is like an ugly thing about me, but I notice it. And Todd, sometimes I believe Todd's a part of it, even though he's not. I just, he's, he's the one I can go to and say, you're saying and doing this. And he'll be like, okay. And, you know, I will say these things. And then once I say them out loud, two things have happened. Number one, I've told the truth about 
pretty vulnerable part of myself to someone who I trust and love. And number two, um, it it reminds me that really that's just my own thinking. That's not something someone did to me. I don't want to get specific, but I shared something with you last week when on my trip to Detroit, and there is some a part of me that I was questioning. Oh yeah, yeah, remember yeah. That? I remember, and and it was a valid like you and I, and we won't share that specific thing, but there was many ways to look at that experience. Yeah, basically, I I behaved in a certain way, and when I was done, I questioned whether or not that was right or not. Right, and I was a little confused on. Who whether am I? Not, yeah, who am mm-hmm. I? So. And am I walking the walk? But it felt good to say it to somebody. Yes. You know? Well, because that's integrity in itself, because the belief that we are going to always do exactly what we believe in, yeah. that's the misconception. Because it's kind of like when you and I always talk about what is balance, balance is not being in balance. Yeah. Balance is knowing when you're out of balance. Correct. So it's the same say thing. Say that again. That's really important. Balance is not about being in balance perfectly. It's about recognizing when you're out of balance and to lean it and, the, to and, lean and, the and it's not way. to get back in the center it's to can you change trajectory can because you move the other way let's use the wave waves are very water is not still yes. i mean some Chaotic. water is still but water still water goes bad mm-hmm. water is constantly moving movement so you're kind of always going back as is energy yeah right so you're always going back and forth and it's recognizing when the pendulum has gone too far yeah and you you have to bring yourself back into some a little more like you said, non-chaos yeah. into a little more continuity. And that is that is also our job when we're talking about our integrity. It's recognizing that we're not always doing it perfectly, but do we recognize when we're really out of whack yeah. and not rationalize the behavior and not point at other people and say, because there's this thing called projection mm-hmm. where we are feeling something and experiencing something and then we look at everybody else and say they're doing it. You know, we'll say, like if we're if we're lying to the world and we're lying about, um, you know, making things up or we can't be trusted or we're judgmental. Then we point our fingers at the world and we say, those people are lying. They're judgmental because that's, and this is a, this is a psychic phenomenon, not psychic. What is the word? Psychological phenomenon. Like those of you who are therapists and coaches, you've studied this projection. That's what we do. And we all do it. Yeah. But do you recognize it? Yeah. When you look at the world and you think, oh, they have to be lying to me, is it because you lie to people about those things? Because, you know, if I asked you, how do you look? Or how do I look today? Which look great. I, I don't normally do. But And you said you look great. And I'm like, no, he's lying to me. Is that because I do that to other people that I always tell everybody they're looking great? And so I don't trust what I say. Right. Therefore, I don't trust what you say. Yep, yep. It's like whoever we are is what we experience. Number four. Tell the truth about another to another. That's the Jack Tripper thing. Yes. So there's a threes company where Jack decided to tell the truth, the just the just the blatant truth about anybody and anything. So he said to Terry that he couldn't stand Terry. her dress and said to Janet, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, conflict ensued. That's called elementary school truth telling. Yeah. There is a disregard for sensitivity right. and a disregard for kindness. That's an important distinction in this number four. Yes, because you can tell the truth about another to another, but you have a sense of diplomacy and good timing yep. and not from your wound. Yeah. This is where the wound's wholeness. You're saying it from your wholeness. Like, for example, if I were to say to you, um, you know, something specific like, uh, Todd, when you say something like, I can't come up with something right now, but you make me sad yeah. or I or I feel sad. That's better because mm-hmm. you're not making me sad. I 
feel sad when you don't look at me while you're talking to me yeah. or when you come home and you always have your earphones on. That was an old one. You don't really do that anymore. But I'd say I feel like you're not recognizing my existence in the house when you're wearing your earphones everywhere. And so this is the way I feel about it. So I'm telling you the truth about my, you know, what your behavior, how it's affecting Got me. It. Yeah. Tell the truth about another to another. Um, but you um, are a little evolved in how you would say that is, you know, this is making me, a lot of times husbands and wives will be like, get off your headphones. Right. You know, at least I'm right, you, you're wrong. At least yeah. you're owning your behavior yes. is making me feel a certain way. Correct. So you're kind of leapfrogging in a good way. Yes. Because a lot of times people just attack. Well, I guess I'm combining number four and number one, which is number four is tell the truth about another to another. And simultaneously, number one is tell the truth about yourself to yourself, you know? So I understand that that one of my challenges is not being seen or heard. Yeah. So if Todd is wearing his um, headphones. headphones everywhere, then I'm affected, but I'm also willing to tell him the truth that I'm experiencing this with him and because he loves me. And if you're smart, you could even say, this kind of initiates my baggage from growing up or whatever. Right. And interestingly enough, it's usually going to be connected to yours, yeah. which is you're just trying to get through the day, zone I'm out, escaping. escaping. Right. So really both of our bags are in play. Yeah. Okay. So number four. Five, last, last but not least. Tell the truth to everyone about everything. What does that mean? <laughs> this involves being straightforward, kind, giving yourself a moment to gather your thoughts before speaking. So that's being, um, you know, instead of reactive, that's being responsive. It's, um, you know, even pausing, like telling your truth to everyone about everything. Maybe you don't always have the truth available at that moment. Like someone may ask you a question like, hey, do you want to volunteer at the, you know, PTA event on Friday? And you just don't know yet. You don't know what your truth is. You say, you know what? I'm going to get back to you on that. Or maybe you're not ready to tell the truth. So you say, I need a little time. Yeah. And then I'll get back to you. There's but a we feel like we have to give an answer in that moment because otherwise we'll feel social embarrassment because if you don't say yes right away, then who, what type of person are you? And so one of two things happens there. Either you say yes because you think you should because of the social pressure and then you're angry at the PTA for asking you and it's not their fault. You're the one who said yes. Or you say no, but you make up a big lie that then yeah. you have to live inside of, and that creates another light. You know, I layers have, upon layers. We've all done this yep. where you've created something like, oh, I got to work that day. And then you realize that you posted a picture where you were out socializing. <laughs> right. You're like, what? So, in a way, those kind of things are helpful to us yeah. because they remind us that you you have to live with yeah. that with what you're saying yeah. because people have more access to our lives. So, so again, each of those could be a show, but I know we just kind of tore right through them, but it's good. It's discussion. a good start. And again, Neil Donald Walsh, the five truths. So, um, in closing, I want to thank our other partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Comf company, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, avidco.net. Um, sign up for the conference, register for the conference, become a Zen friend, subscribe to our podcast on our website so you can get um, our, uh, the podcast will be delivered to your inbox every Tuesday morning. Yeah. Then you don't have to go search, search for it. Yeah, yeah. It'll just show up. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful week. See you soon. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. You can also just tell a friend about our show. That's our favorite kind of marketing. 
Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at comments at zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals. The website is toddadamscoaching.com. And we also have a monthly men's group. So if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out the tribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop on Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And finally, I want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks, and keep on trucking.